As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful 
herbal face food for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Let's dive into today's conversation regarding life's myriad transitions and how we refine our responses in our relationships, our wellness, our households, our work, and in our practices. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. This is a very special episode for me. These are the authors, two authors, of a book called Wise Power that has changed the face of menopause. This is a flat-out empowerment that you hold in your hands when you find and encounter this book. The founders of the Red School, Alexandra Pope and Shani Hugo Wurlitzer, have written this beautiful book called Wise Power, which is all about the liberating power of menopause to awaken, and I quote, awaken authority, purpose, and belonging. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much indeed, Helena. Thank you. Feels wow. Very, I'm just so happy that yeah, you're likewise, here. Likewise. Likewise. Mm. <sighs> um, your radical new approach to health and well-being is based on the power of the menstrual cycle. This wise power book is discovering the power, particularly the power of menopause. This is 55 years of research in your combined field, the two of you, revealing the power of the menstrual cycle, revealing the power of the initiatory journey from the menstrual cycle into menopause. You have created a new lexicon that describes this uh, psychological and spiritual process, and you are literally spearheading an emerging new field, and you call it a field of menstruality to support all people who menstruate and people who have stopped. Here's what's fun. This month is one year for me. I am officially in menopause. <laughs> I just want to like stand on the top yeah, of the house and scream yeah. it. <laughs> I'm so happy about this. Um, there were a few things that I also want to point out to our listener, because my listener ranges in age from 20 all the way to 80. Your book, Wild Power, is how to discover the magic of the menstrual cycle. Wise Power, which is the book that I want to discuss today, the one that I'm holding in my hands, is discovering the power of menopause. So I want to make sure that our listener knows that. You also have some programs that I want to make sure that we mentioned there is a program called the Menstruality Leadership Program, which is the world's first leadership training designed for trailblazers, change makers, nurturers, and creatives to realize your full authority and leadership through this understanding of your cycle. So cool. If you go to redschool.net, redschool.net, and you will find all of these uh, books and programs there for you. There are Wise Power Retreats. There are Love Your Cycle online self-study courses. You will have it all there, our dear listener. So first of all, I want to get into this book right away. I'm a big fan of reading parts of the book back to my dear author guests. And I want to start with the um, introduction, page 24 in Roman numerals XXIV, 
our terminology for menopause. I really appreciated this because the existing medical terminology of the midlife transition does not, as you say, accurately speak to our understanding of this process. It's a developmental process. The spring of your menstruating years, you guys talk about, is uh, menarche, beginning of your period to late 20s. The summer of your menstruating years, listen to me, our dear listener, because you might be in the summer, is approximately age 28 to 40. And the quickening, which is also known as the autumn of your menstruating years in your 40s, let's say your early 40s, you're already having um, hormonal changes and you're already experiencing pretty progressive shift. And probably in your perspective and in your consciousness, things are shifting. The menopause hinterland, which you call the little void, uh, this occurs a year or two before menopause, for example, at age 48, if you're going through menopause at 50. Mine was 50. I went through menopause. Now I'm 52. And I just got that uh, under my belt. Menopause is called the great void. Five phases of menopause transition. This is the winter or ending of your menstruating years. Starts on average around age 51. So I'm right on time. Post-menopause, and here's the best part, listener, the second spring. This occurs on average around age 55, and this is something that you declare for yourself. Thank you, women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time, because the medical terminology, by comparison, you want to hear? Our listener, the medical terminology goes like this, perimenopause, menopause, and (laughs) postmenopause. That's it. Bye. Like, okay, so what do I do? You know, this book gives me the clues. And I really, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Um, I'm looking at chapter three, our inner ecology. You say, and this is where I would like you to step in. We want to restore the power of menopause. And to do so, we first need to pan out and take in a bigger vista, the whole landscape of our inner ecology. We need to see the larger system in which menopause is situated Inspired by our understanding of ecology, which recognizes that everything's bound up in invisible networks of relationships and interdependence, every part having its worth, contributing to the worth of the other, we introduce the idea that the menstrual cycle and its transitions of menarche, matrescence, and menopause is an inner ecology called menstruality. Can we please talk about this? I want to understand fully. (sighs) Menstruality. Um, Shani, do you want to kick this one off? Would you like me to dive in? Yeah, you begin and I'll join in with you. Mm. All right. So I think I'm going to begin actually with talking uh, with menopause, actually, because so menopause feels like this at the moment. Currently, it feels like people are you know, trucking along happily, and then one day they're sort of slammed in the face by menopause and all hell breaks loose. And menopause becomes this great monster or enemy, you know, or problem that needs to be managed and dealt with. And the whole purpose of our book is to reposition menopause within this bigger story, what we call our menstruality. So our menstrual cycle process from our very first bleed at Menarche right up to menopause 
is an integrated process of growing down into ourselves more and more. It's a process of personal development. It's an initiatory journey. It's a journey of awakening. And there are these different stages along this path. And when you knit together this whole story from your very first bleed, and you knit it together with each menstrual month and what happens within each menstrual month. And of course, this is what we unpack in great detail in our first book, Wild Power, the initiatory dynamic of the menstrual cycle each month. Um, As you live into that month after month, you are evolved into menopause. So there is this integrated experience going on and menopause doesn't come and just, you know, slap you down. And menopause is something you step up into. And um, through your years of, you know, menstruating, going through your menstrual cycle each month, it's like this uh, field consciousness you grow into that we call menstruality. Um, there's like an energy dynamic that you're held within, if you like. And there's an ecology at work, a web of connections. When you uh, start off your menstruating years at at, at menarche, when that is properly met and not just, you know, how it often is for most young menstruators or girls, when it's properly met and prepared for, so there's no shock and they know what's happening and that there is age-appropriate education, there's a sort of appropriate or almost seamless entry into this menstruality journey. And then as you pay attention, as you bring consciousness to your menstrual cycle, you're weaving yourself into this ecology. It's like this ecology holds you. It makes utter sense once you start practicing menstrual cycle awareness. You start to feel almost like this energetic field um, of cyclical Mm. consciousness is like a vessel within which you're held. And um, eventually, of course, you come to menopause. And menopause in itself, as I said, is something you step into. It feels meaningful. So an ecology is where all the parts relate to each other. And if you damage any one of the parts, you damage the whole. So if menarche is not, that first bleed is not properly met, is not, if we're not, I'm just talking appropriate education so that the young person feels I want to say excitement for it, you know, a sense that this is special. The huge imprint that 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 has on a young person's being, it's like this yes to their being. And so their menstruating years are setting off with this yes in their system. And then you come to the end of your menstruating years and you've got this thread running through your, the whole of your menstruating years with this kind of yes, it's like this, isn't it in chaos theory, you know, the butterfly flapping its wings over here causes this great drama over here. How you experience menarche will affect how you enter your menopause um, at some level. Yes. I have a quick question about that. I actually, I don't mean to disrespect what you've just said, but I disagree because my mom did not prepare me well for my period. I actually had no idea what was happening. And three days in a row, I threw out my underwear thinking I had soiled myself. I had no idea. By contrast, my experience of menopause, because I have prepared so well for this stage and because I have 
educated myself on what to do and how to take care of myself and building muscle and knowing when to rest and the supplements that I need, getting blood work, learning about my hormones. Um, my experience of menopause has been a joy. Oh, how wonderful. And Shani, would you like yes. to respond to that? Oh, yeah, I'm. you know, Elena, that's really good that you weave that in because I think when I was listening to you read back to us this uh, life arc of menstruality and this ecosystem that we're inhabiting and how it's all interconnected, what I felt inside me, which is uh, something I touch on often uh, when we have conversations with people about this, is a, a deep sense of sadness for the sort of cultural dislocation <laughs> many of us have experienced because there hasn't yes. been the languaging yes. and the naming and the honoring of this initiatory path. And many of us have missed out on the kind of holding that we might have needed, for example, at our first bleed. And yet it is so true, as you said, that how we begin the journey definitely sets the tone for the journey we have an amazing capacity as human beings for healing and recovery. And of course, all the personal development work you've done and anyone does rewrites the script and sort of reimagines and recovers what's been lost, which is what gives me so much hope is that it isn't a done deal. Um, no matter how late people come to this work, no matter what your journey has been thus far, there is always the possibility and the opportunity to meet yourself and meet the experience you're in anew, just as you've done. And in a way, what's happening for you, I'm imagining, is you're discovering a whole new ground within yourself through this initiation of menopause that will set you up for post-menopause life in a big and beautiful way. Yeah. Well, you said that on page 20, 21. Menarche, which I thought was pronounced menarche, but menarche, menstruation, motherhood, and menopause are like evolutionary tipping points in our life journey. In these moments, our relationship to and use of power makes a radical shift, coming to a culmination and ushering in a new inner epoch, a new set of rules. I feel this. Menarche sets the process in motion, menstruation, a mini rebirth each month, Motherhood, should you go that route, radically wires you to meet that role. And menopause is like the fungi moment of composting, turning the elements of your life into renewed potential and potency. I feel this so strongly, like I'm being reborn. And if I listen well, there's this harmony that's happening where I'm able to, you know, start to see my life in my house without my kid around. And start to nudge him in that direction, because it's very comfortable mm -hmm. here. He's very happy here. Um, <laughs> um, you know, creating the situation where I'm actually making things, you know, art or writing or whatever. I'm making new things I've never even considered making before, thinking in ways I've never thought before. And I want to encourage our listener this is why I want our listener to get this book. This is why I'm having you on the podcast, because I want our listener who's 50, who's 60, who's even 70, to start to see this part of life as one of the most fertile grounds of being. Mm. It's, inc right? it's incredibly I mean, fertile, Elena. I have never been mm. 
more alive, creative, and productive as I am now. It's extraordinary. It's like we talk about menopause as a place of your consciousness expands. It's like you step into a more expanded realm and you become a, a wider channel for things. And you're just available for so much more. And because you've had a life, so to speak, and been well-worked and well-weathered by life, and you've done your inner work, you've built a psychological vessel within yourself. You've developed an inner strength, an inner knowing about who you are. And it's like you come into a clearer, stronger channel within yourself. So you are then more available for the creative forces to talk to you. So it's immensely freeing menopause. And it's both freeing and liberating of possibilities for you. I feel that, actually, completely. And um, in the book, I've turned to page 109, which is where we have chapter 14, the five phases of menopause. You started by saying that once you're in menopause, you appear to be off all the usual maps. You cast off from a familiar shoreline into a dark ocean of unknownness, buffeted by winds, currents of outrageous fortune, or so it feels, with only the stars and the moon in the night sky of your soul, your instincts, feelings, intuitions to guide you. You now follow the deep, subtle clues of your inner being to find the new shore. And what was subtle will, with time, become startlingly obvious and compellingly necessary to follow. However, there is a map of sorts for this place, a timeless archetypal pattern for transitioning this world between worlds, and it has an implicit order in five phases. Get this, our listener. These phases are the different atmospheric conditions you'll encounter on this night sea crossing. We'll call these conditions the five phases of menopause, and they are betrayal, repair, revelation, visioning, and emergence. So, my women, I would love to talk to you about these five phases. I have some specific questions, but I would like to learn first where they came from and um, what betrayal really means here in this context. Uh, Yes, wow, I sort of shiver responding to this. This is The work on betrayal has been a kind of lifetime's exploration of what's happening there for me. Shani, would you like to set the tone with how the five phases emerged? They emerged from listening to many, many people's experience of menopause and really listening to the kind of archetypal pattern that was playing out in people's experience. What were the deep themes? What was the process that was at work? And then... Alexandra and I really began applying what we know about the menstrual cycle because what's so beautiful about cycle awareness is that our knowledge that grows from tracking our cycle applies to so many aspects of our psychological and spiritual development. We can see how the template that's at work in the cycle is indeed the template for healing. It's the template for initiation. It's the template that underlies the major transitions that happen in our life. 
And so we really looked at the knowledge that we've gathered through um, our study of the cycle and particularly menstruation, the uh, what we think of as being the orchestrations that happen in our being when we enter menstruation, when we enter that inner winter phase, that time of bleeding, as you highlighted that word, atmospheric conditions, the atmospheric conditions that we move through and what's asked of us on a deep level in order to go with and surrender and allow the process to work us. And there are five phases there at menstruation, um, which we have slowly mapped out over our years of working with groups of people. And we saw that that same pattern that plays out at menstruation is, of course, playing out at this big initiatory moment of menopause. And we really began looking at the nuancing, like what is specific to menopause? So that's where the five phases of menopause came from. And we've written about them in great depth in the book. Yeah. Wonderful. I think I really want to talk about betrayal, though, because I can think of the friends of mine who are in this process. And it's not just related to the process of the physiological changes. The betrayals come at this time. It's such an interesting thing. I can see all my different friends in in this different ages from late 30s all the way into mid 50s, early 60s. Each of them have suffered some sort of betrayal in their lives, not just from their bodies. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm articulating this very um, well. You are articulating it well, Elena. We have noticed this, particularly in the 40s. So let me just dream into it. It's such a big topic, this. And um, I'm going to sort of take it step by step. When you come to menopause, for you to step into your postmenopause freedom country, you have got to go through a transformation and you've got to die to the old self and get lost in the underworld for a while, trusting that new life will come. And, you know, there's that moment where you don't know, is there going to be a life post this? And trusting that. And then, of course, it emerging and then, you know, you step out into postmenopause life. So betrayal is that first moment Um, It's the most impactful moment of menopause. It's in a way for me where the deep initiatory process sort of kicks in in a very big way. So it's death. Um, It's the death of an identity that you've held. You'll notice uh, as you get closer to menopause, you'll get sort of intimations of this in the sense that you'll just find, you know, things just aren't floating your boat in the same way. You know, stuff that's always turned you on isn't doing it for you now. A job that you've loved is, it's okay, you can do it, but it doesn't fire you. And you're feeling yourself just wanting to separate. So that's a very key characteristic that you're sort of readying yourself. It's like you're starting to step back a little from the world. You're still in the world, but it's like there's a film between you and others. And these are the early intimations that you are, in a sense, courting betrayal. And then the moment comes where you suddenly feel as though the end is here. There is this moment of stepping into real darkness within yourself, and it feels like 
what was that all about? Who am I? What's my life about? Now, for some, this is very, very extreme. It's very extreme and bleak, and I just really want to acknowledge that. For others, it depends on your life circumstances and how well-resourced and supported you are. This is really, really crucial. For others, it'll be sort of moments of it because we're all different. We're all psychologically hardwired in different ways and some of us have more time for ourselves than others, you know, because of all sorts of circumstances. So there's no one fixed vision, uh, view of this phase. I just really want to emphasize that. It's like you fall in a hole And everything seems to kind of shut down. It's like your life looks meaningless. What have you done with your life? Even though you've done lots and you've done really good stuff, you won't see any of that. It's almost like you fall into the shadow of everything. You fall into the shadow side of yourself and you also fall into the shadow side of the world. It's like you can only see the darkness. You can only see, for want of a better word, the crap in the world and uh, the crap in yourself. This is where then disillusionment sets in. So the betrayal piece is this feeling of um, almost like life having betrayed you because there'll be a whole lot of things you had hoped was going to happen in your life that haven't eventuated. And menopause can just feel like the end. It can feel like the end and that there is no future. And also if you're exhausted, so much of the challenge of menopause is that people are turning up completely exhausted. There's no chi left in the engine. And it's that combination of the death and the exhaustion that throws us into this darkness where we start to question everything. And that's when the gods start to fall off their pedestals, you know. Mm. And that's where the body feels as though it's betraying Precisely. Precisely. I see. I think I understand. Thank you, Element for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. We have been personally using Element for well over a year. Element is spelled L-M-N-T. Elemental electrolyte salts that have completely changed the game around my house. Every night before bed, James and I split a packet. Helps us sleep, helps us get good solid rest, and helps combat fatigue, muscle pain, bogginess, irritability even. Did you know that your cells need electrolytes for optimal function? And if you're struggling with any of those things, you might just be deficient in electrolytes. They facilitate hundreds of cellular functions in your body, including nerves, hormone regulation, nutrient absorption, fluid balance. Element contains 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. No artificial anything in here, no sugar, no nothing. My favorite flavors, as I said, orange watermelon and the chocolate caramel in hot water is just incredible. Element comes in tiny single-serving packets you can carry with you wherever you go. They're great on planes as well. With my link, you get a free sample pack with any order so that you can try all the flavors. And that link is drinkelement.com forward slash Elena. The spelling is D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash Elena. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Element. Again, the link, drinkelement.com forward slash Elena. Okay. And that leads us into the second phase, which is repair. And that's where 
particularly for those who aren't well-resourced, it's very, very difficult to enter this phase properly because it's about rest mm-hmm. and healing. Yes. If you're listening to us and you are feeling, okay, 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 I'm starting to understand the bigger picture. Body feels like it betrayed me. Okay, that's normal. It's not really betraying me. This is just a phase, a transitional phase. It may be in your best interest, if you're listening, to really enter into this repair time, this time of rest and healing in whatever way is possible for you, even if it's a 20-minute nap in the middle of the day, even if it's a nap before you go to bed, even if it's a meditation practice, whatever it is, to enter into repair, rest and healing very conscientiously and intentionally. Yes. I love that you've (laughs) made it kind of very practical and accessible, Elena, because as Alexandra was describing that betrayal phase, what's going on there is that everything, all our defenses are being stripped away. The carpet is being pulled out from under us. And what happens is the veil between our conscious and unconscious is thinned and so much comes to surface. And actually, I would say no matter how much inner work we've done, a deeper layer of healing that's needed kind of rises to the surface. And we're confronted by a lot because it's also not just personal history we're confronted by. As Alexandra said, it's the world and, and what's troubled in the world. We become really sensitized to that. So I just feel so much compassion for people who are in this place because there's a lot for our little human selves to be (laughs) digesting and dealing with. And so rest, rest is the medicine. Rest is the thing that allows that kind of yielding into and allows the organic process of healing to really start to move through us because Remember, it isn't so much that there's something to be done here because we're actually being held in menopause. Menopause is this uh, cocoon. It's a healing sanctuary. It's a death and rebirth process that we're being held in. And if we can honor the impulse of rest, the repair can happen. The repair can start to happen. And I just want to expand on that because it's giving yourself a rest. In other words, to not be endlessly pushing yourself, to give yourself some slack, to just let yourself cruise for a while. You you know, you've still got to go to work. you, you You have to put food on the table for your children and all that. But that you strip things back to the minimum. You reduce your standards And you just give yourself some kindness. That is a form of repair, of rest, to drop all the big agendas you've got for yourself and to just let yourself be for a while without the push. And actually, menopause is on your side. It actually helps you to do that. And if anyone who's sort of listening to this right now and in that struggling with that, the darkness of betrayal and almost sort of panicking a little, you know, what should I be doing? How shall I deal with this? The thing is, your mind can't work anything out right now. The answers are going to just arise from your being. And to be able to hear what's needed for yourself, and honestly, it will come, it's just really lovely. But to be able to do that, you need to just kind of chill for a while, like cruise with what you're doing and give yourself times of stillness and reverie and rest and so on and so forth. <laughs> yes, yes. 
And that rest, it does yield ideas and new understandings. And as you say, phase three is revelation. You guys say that it's a a subtle dawning of a new recognition of yourself. And that's where we go from this disappearance, dissolution of all possibility and potential (laughs) to, oh, actually, I'm not who I thought I was. I'm more than I thought I was. I'm different than I thought I was. And all of these other things are now possible. And there is, as you say, there's a feeling of freedom and a relief in a way in phase three. Yeah. I love this. I love how this happens. And and you do have to rather hold your nerve through menopause because you're seeing all that's not great about yourself first. You know, it's like all the nose. And then somehow that sort of starts to clear through the repair phase. And it may be involved doing some sort of healing work there for some. Just as time passes and as as you find some greater sweetness with your body and some equilibrium and energy is perhaps starting to stir again in you, then it's just magical almost how it happens where you suddenly start to see yourself in a way you've never done before. And in many ways, you're going to see things that you've known about yourself, but now you really know. It's like, oh my God, that's who I am. Yeah, that's who I am. But it's not just that. It is also, and this is very important, a sense of, oh, I'm okay. You actually get to a place, and I think this is the greatest gift of menopause. This is the heart of the heart of the gold that you you get from menopause, is a recognition of yourself and an acceptance of yourself. It's like you receive yourself and you go, oh, I'm okay after all. Yeah, there's something really beautiful about that. I almost feel like I'm catching glimpses of it. And then there are these other moments where I go ahead and compare myself to the pictures of me when I was 30 and 40 and even 45. But I'm catching glimpses of this full acceptance of myself as I am aging gracefully and knowing who I am, Mm. which I guess is moving us toward phase four, which is visioning this full flourishing of your capacity, this full receptivity, this sort of receiving of what you are here to do in terms of your service in the world, not just your job, Mm. but where you want to put your energy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the more you're able to receive yourself in that act of revelation, what you're doing is you're coming into alignment with yourself more and more. So you've got this clearer line to yourself, a channel between you and the heavens, if you like, the cosmos. And now, oh, yes, what comes through is just, it's very clear, it's very obvious, and it has a non-negotiable quality about it. Because often what happens when that visioning phase really takes off, because we'll have had moments of illumination along the way, actually, about can break through any old time. But now it kind of breaks through with much more sort of coherence and order and clarity. And often it demands changing a lot in our lives. And, you know, this is the edge we're negotiating. But what I love about it is that there is this quality of non-negotiability about it. It's like, 
yeah, yeah, you probably are going to have to change all the elements of your life, but sorry, there's no going back. You know, this is what you must do. And I want to say something a bit melodramatic here, really, but, you know, in not doing it is kind of like a death to yourself. It's, yeah. Yes, yes, I feel that. I was just talking to a gal yesterday, private mentoring client. She's in her late 30s. Her man turns up to be a private sort of uh, secret alcoholic. She's having a really rough time and she's worried that other people are going to, you know, think ill of her for leaving him in a moment of his need. And I was saying, you know, I, I don't know that other people really are in the field of my considerations for you right now. And it dawned on me that that's something that comes along with menopause too. Like I actually have stopped caring about what other people think about my actions. If I can live with my actions, I am the only barometer that I care about. If I can create the level of integrity that I expect and demand from myself and from others within myself, I'm good. And she said, well, but what about, you know, isn't everyone going to think I'm a bad person? I was like, honey, he basically tried to hurt himself in your house, not even his own house, and was lying and hiding his drinking from you for all this time. Why exactly do you care what other people think about what you do about it? Uh And she got it. And I think this comes with time. I think as you get older, you care less and less. And I wonder if that's, you know, I, I can see that that's something that is common for older women to believe in themselves more and stop putting so much priority on what other people think of their That's actions. That's it, Elena. I, when I hear um, Alexandra talk about this phase of revelation and this kind of newfound ground of acceptance that you tap into at menopause, I can really imagine how when you really experience that, and you know, I think throughout our lives we're all uh, – discovering greater and greater levels of kindness with ourselves. I certainly am. So I'm kind of, I'm in my mid forties now, deeper and deeper levels of kindness. With each inch of growing kindness, I feel towards myself, I feel more sovereign and more right with the choices I make, regardless of how it looks and what other people think. And it sounds like at menopause, you get a macro dose of that, which becomes this uh, rooting in yourself that then you're not compromising anything for anyone. The reference becomes you and you alone. Ever. Yes. Yeah. That's why yeah. postmenopause yeah. women are so fierce. You know, I'm a little scared of them. I work with Alexandra, so I get a good workout. But I tell you what, that I'm not that no compromise, no take, no bullshit. <laughs> fierce love is quite something. <laughs> Watch out, world. Yes. 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 I feel this and I see it in the women that I know. I see them now that I'm familiar with these phases from reading your book, I see them going into phases four and five, this visioning phase, and then the phase of emergence where they know themselves so well and now they're ready to deliver whatever this new, as you say, freshly minted appreciation is for themselves. It's so cool to watch. Mm. It is. It's so interesting, this phase, because you're freshly minted. And, you know, there's such 
clarity and there's a kind of innocence. You are, you know, you're being reborn. You're emerging from the cocoon. You're also vulnerable in this moment, but you're buffered by this excitement almost about, you know, who you are and what you want and, and a kind of innocence again. And I think it's really important. I really cherish this quality of innocence because if I didn't have it, I could easily become, it's a buffer against um, bitterness and, you know, bitterness and, and cynicism and resentment and things are qualities that caught you in older age. You know, they're in the field. You know, I've done all this great with menopause. I can still feel these energies. And if you've done menopause well or as, you know, in your way and come out feeling this newness, this innocence is just very special to hold on to, to court. It's called the second spring, you know. You're stepping into the spring of your post-menopause life. And there's this sense of possibility, of adventure, and that feeling of innocence that I had when I was young, when I thought, yeah, I'm going to go do blah, blah, and not really think through the details of what it is, you know, something quite big and radical. Like I made the decision to, I'm English, but I had lived in Australia for 25 years. And this was my whole process with menopause was the recognition I needed to leave Australia and return to the UK. And I just knew I had to stop my work that I'd had for 20 years at that point as being a psychotherapist and do this menstruality work. And there wasn't a job to go to. There was nothing. And I was going back into an empty space in the UK, you know, and I had some savings, but, you know, there was no job to walk into. But I felt so held by my vision. And this is really important. It's very important to drink up that vision so that when you come to emergence, you're sort of buffered and held by something. So I was held by the charge of the vision as I emerged out of menopause. And I literally, you know, emerged out of menopause almost the day I arrived in the UK. It was extraordinary. The timing was perfect. And I was held in this sort of early spring energy of all the possibilities that happen, you know, the buds that were forming. And I wasn't thinking about practicalities and how am I going to earn enough money and, you know, where am I going to live and what's it going to look like? I could really trust that process of unfolding that starts to happen, a sort of growing into oneself um, in that emergence phase. So emergence is full of the loveliest of energies of possibility and and um, you know adventure and so on and it's vulnerable you know there's a vulnerability so sometimes you sort of overwhelm yourself and you feel like you fall back into menopause again you're like into a sort of you know your nervous system gets overcharged or something so it's like a dance you're emerging you're not going back you are emerging <laughs> I love um, page 195 you talk about this beautiful ritual to anoint and celebrate yourself and it's not what our listener might think you know yes put beautiful you know oils and things all over yourself but this anointing is something different first name all the qualities you've discovered or recovered during menopause all of your strengths and brilliances two forgive anything in yourself that you feel still needs forgiving three State some clear intentions for your future. For example, my intention is to fully accept my unique nature, including my sensitivity and awkwardness. I dare to stand for the things I really care about. And then finally, 
make sure you allow plenty of time for this ritual and also allow some digestion time afterwards in which you let the experience settle and seal in you before you go about your daily business again. And I like this caveat, if doing rituals isn't quite your thing, we recommend you do an informal uh, nod to yourself anyway, to cement in that recognition. How beautiful is that? Anointing myself with uh, recognition and forgiveness. Mm. Mm. Gosh, Mm. thank you. You're very welcome. That This sort of clean slate or this new ground that you're in, as you come out of menopause is such a prime opportunity to really set the line for the next chapter of your life. Very much like when we come out of menstruation, such a beautiful moment, a kind of opening when we're new and available and have this innocence and therefore a kind of limitless possibility for us to kind of line up with. And it's also a very beautiful way at the end of such a deep process of death and rebirth, you know, which for many people with menopause goes on for a number of years. Doing a ritual like this, in a way, seals something in. It creates that uh, formal ending and holding and naming of a line that you're now crossing as you come into this next chapter of your life. So it's a very beautiful thing to do. It is. Um, I would also like to address the section that you have on page 208 about Mm. being met, which I think is important. I have enough friends that are not in a relationship right now. And there is this yearning for union, you know, with flesh and blood. There is this sort of longing to be held and met and seen You give an example of a gal who's well into her 60s now, and she finally says that she doesn't mind. Her man had abandoned her at some point in her 40s or 50s. And she says, quote, I'm here to have a relationship to something so much bigger and in service of life. It's with the divine now. The connection is strong. I am not on my own. There is a recognition and a knowing. And she's found deep peace. It's really beautiful. Yeah, that's a very, very powerful quote, that one. And I feel that what menopause can potentially deliver us to is a place of deep belonging to ourselves and therefore a sense that we belong, belonging to ourselves and that we belong. And this experience of union with the beloved It's a very big statement we make in the book, and I believe that's what's at the heart of the menopause transition, to deliver us to that experience. And for those people who are in a relationship, I believe it's possible to experience relationships on a whole new level. And there's there's a good story in the book about a couple who have been together for a long time and gone through the travails of menopause as a couple and how they've negotiated that and what they've come out with. It's a very, very beautiful story. And then for those who aren't in a relationship, there is the grief. There is the grief, you know, especially if it's very strong to be in a relationship, to not be met in that way. But I really want to emphasize that I believe it's possible to find a sense of belonging, 
of just that quote, really, that you read. Yeah, union, the beloved. You talk about the uh, ingredients for relationship evolution there as well. The whole book is so uh, rich, but I just want to read one part of this and then I'll move on to the final sort of question. First, you say, you have to figure something out. This may involve seeing all the ways in which you've compromised yourself, avoided, or put up with things. These are all barricades to intimacy. Let me just say that again. First, you have to figure something out. This may involve seeing all the ways in which you've compromised yourself, avoided, or put up with things. These are barricades to intimacy. As you start to remove your inner barricades, you need to know your partner is with you and not operating on autopilot. You need them to be present to themselves, to their own needs, taking responsibility for who they are, and not unconsciously leaning on you. Anyone who does the latter, and we all can, will feel intolerable. To sum up, menopause reveals the fault lines in a relationship. It could spell the end or it could spell an evolution into something far more connected and meaningful. However, it does require both partners to be sufficiently committed to working it out. You're maturing and you need your partner to mature alongside you. You'll be stretched, you finish, but the destination could be a place of far greater intimacy together. And I see that, you know, but you do have to have two people on the same team. You do. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Very last section, you have uh, 231, five attunement tools. There are so many good things in here, but five attunement tools for your leadership, which I thought was just extraordinary. I was so excited when I read this. This was the sort of, you know, when I saw this section, I was like, all right, they're coming up. First, keep counsel with emptiness. Okay, so what's wild about this is I'm in the middle of writing this book that nobody knows about it yet. It's like, it's an evolution of practice you and being you. It's not really a journal. It's sort of more of a workbook. It's some combination of art of attention and all the journals put together and it's going to be beautiful. And one of the sections I'm writing about emptiness and I'm having so much trouble writing about this concept. I'm coming at it from a Zen Buddhist perspective, which is what I've been studying for the last several years. But you guys really nail it. Keep counsel with emptiness. First and foremost, keep empty time and space for nothing at all. Simply daydreaming, wandering, mulling, pottering, resting, without agenda, without technology. This is critical for your sanity and your well-being. There's more, but I'm not going to read it all. It's so important, and I love the way you make emptiness completely accessible. After reading this, I started putting in lunch into my calendar And I start like in my calendar. So there's a a whole hour for lunch. And I started cutting off my day Mm. at 4 p.m. No more. Mm. Nothing. Mm. Yes. Just to sort of wander around and, you know, drift and potter and, you know, just, yeah, just potter. No agenda. It's this thing of no agenda. And it's so, it's such a generative space, the empty space. Bowls me over how generative it is. <laughs> just things just come to me then. It's exciting. It is. I have to actually, um, I keep a post-it nearby yeah. so that I can write the things down that I want to remember because so many ideas come during that time when I'm just like sitting on the floor or 
walking on the trail in the back or doesn't matter. I'm not doing anything. I'm sitting on the chair mm. behind the house. Mm. Like, yeah, nothing, nothing. Literally. And all of a sudden, all the ideas come. Yeah. So cool. Our listener, I've taken you a little bit longer than I usually do, but I think it was important. There are so many more riches and embarrassment of riches in this book, Wise Power by Alexander Pope and Shawnee Hugo Wurlitzer. I want to encourage you to get this book and really sink your whole being into the concepts that are presented because it will give you a sense of community. Even if nobody else you know is reading the book, it will give you a sense of community. It will give you a sense of being okay, a sense of you're not wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. You're going through a very natural, beautiful, sacred process. And sadly, we have been, most of us, raised in places where this was not considered sacred. It was considered a fucking annoyance and a disaster and the end of life. And I and Alexandra and Shani are here to say, no, in fact, this is just the beginning. And this is your time. This is definitively your time. Please, I love what you say there, Elena. This is your time. It's not the end. It's this is is your time now. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for staying for so long. Thank you for your dedication to the research and the work that you've done that gave rise to all of this information. Uh, Once again, it's redschool.net, where you can find Alexandra and Shani's work, redschool.net, N-E-T. I'm bowing with my hands in gasho, with deep respect for both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and 5 
free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.